Hey guys, what's up? It is Allie, your host and coach on the Allie McGee podcast, and this is episode number 23, Master Your Endurance with Marilyn Chakota. On today's episode, you'll hear from Marilyn, who is a triathlon coach and former professional triathlete herself. In 2004, she won the Ironman Malaysia competition and then continued to race to the podium several times throughout her career. Her professional athletic background is extremely extensive and goes from equestrian show jumping to cycling, which eventually led her to triathlons, where she was able to travel the world competing in the sport. How cool, right? Her motto of never die wondering first intrigued her when getting into the sport and her why helped sustain her passion throughout the years of professional training. She now coaches triathletes and produces athletes who feel confident mentally and physically when racing at any level. Tune in to hear more about Marilyn and how she got started with triathlons, the healthy lifestyle, community, and opportunity that this sport has given her, and what it looks like to become a triathlete, and how to set yourself up for success if you want to step into the triathlon scene. Stay tuned. You're in for an awesome episode. Marilyn brings so much knowledge and information and mastery. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie McGee podcast, and I'm here with Marilyn Chakota, who is a triathlon um, coach, and I will kind of let her introduce herself, but we're here to chat all about triathlons and how um, if you are a beginner, you can get into the sport with um, you know minimal injury and lots of education and tools. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Allie. It's great to be here. Um, yes, I'm so glad you are one of the people I've had my eyes on to, I'm like, I got to get her on the podcast so I can just pick her brain because you have been in the world of triathlons for some time now. Is that right? Yeah, I've been in triathlon since 1999. So that's probably longer than a lot of your audience has been around. <laughs> so probably a lifetime for a lot of you, but yeah, I've been doing triathlon specifically since 1999. Wow. Um, that's amazing. And now you are a triathlon coach. Is that right? Yeah. So I, you know, I started out obviously just like most people as a, as a beginner and an enthusiast and, and then quickly evolved into a more serious competitor. Um, in 2004 was my first professional season and I raced professionally for a almost a good 10 year stretch and, and, um, had a, a great career racing full time. And then as I graduated, when I started to get towards the latter part of my career, I knew, you know, I, I knew I wanted to give back to the sport. I knew that it was something I enjoyed coaching. I'm, I've been a coach pretty much my whole life. Um, but I wanted to get back and specifically to the endurance world and triathlon world. And so I started, you know, thinking about how I was going to go about the coaching business and, and, um, you know, I always coached while I was racing professionally, just a few athletes to keep my skills up and, and continue to do that. But I really wanted to turn it into like how, you know, this is going to be my life now and give back and be a full-time coach. So now, yeah, I'm a full-time coach. Um, I've been a full-time coach for about, well, let's see, I, 
I started coaching full-time with Endurance Corner in 2001 um, while I was still racing and then really probably the last almost eight years full-time. So I retired. My last professional year was uh, 2011. That was my last professional race and then been coaching really, really full-time since then. Yeah, I know. I see all of your, you even have a camp now, is that correct? A triathlon so, camp? Yeah, I've had triathlon camps. I've been, same thing, I've been doing triathlon camps in some capacity since 2001. And so the, the big one that you see that we host in um, Tucson, that's a week-long training camp and, and pretty hardcore, yeah. is um, that's been going on, this will be year number three. 13. So 13 years wow. in a row for this one. But obviously done a lot of camps before that in Colorado, Utah, New Zealand, um, a lot of different types of camps. But the, the Tucson camp in, in particular has been 13 years in a row. Wow. That's, uh, that's so cool. And I guess a little off topic, but who is someone that goes to triathlon camp? So anyone who, well, a lot of my athletes that I work with, I like to see them at least once a year. And we have a very focused week of training together where we, it's like preseason type camp. We get to do a lot of volume. We look, I get to coach them through every session, be out there with them on the bikes. Um, you know, they spend a week together hanging out, talking about triathlon training, you know, just in general. Um, and we get this really, really high volume focused week of training before we go into the season. So a lot of my personal athletes that I coach come to the camp and, and I really encourage that because it's important for our season and, and for our development and, and for me to coach them better and better every year. Um, and then on top of that, we also welcome other athletes to come in that might want just to experience that a preseason camp or just a high volume camp or to be surrounded by a bunch of like minded athletes to push themselves and, and learn new things and, and really up their game and, and get a huge weekend that is just 100% focused on eat sleep train they don't have any outside distractions in terms of work and maybe family or all these other things so um you know by the time you come to a camp like that you you have a bit of experience and you know that you can handle that many days in a row training at that level um so it certainly is something that you work up to but there's you know smaller weekend camps that sort of can you know introduce you to what that might feel like you know friday saturday sunday type type camp that is an introduction to that type of stuff Okay, cool. So like not beginners, you don't want to just jump in week on camp, you'd probably get burned out and scared off, huh? <laughs> yeah, it'd be, I mean, for a beginner, those camps, the big one, the weekend ones where it is more geared towards beginners can be a great learning experience and a really accelerated learning experience and environment with, with other athletes and with the coach right hands on deck. But, uh, um, you know, so there's different levels, but the week long one that's really big. Yeah. I mean, you want to know that you can handle a good 20 plus hours of training a week, day after day. And, and really, really, um, you know, that might be the biggest thing you've ever done. And that's, that's yeah. good, but at least know that you can handle that, uh, going into it. Whoa. Okay. Awesome. I love that. So hopefully <laughs> I'll, I'll be at one of your camps real soon. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's something it's to work up to, right? Uh, agreed. When do you usually host it? Um, typically, it's at the beginning of the year. So obviously, with the COVID this year, it's a it's a different situation. But it's typically in February because the weather here is fantastic in February in Arizona. A lot of people want to come out, and the the real bulk of the season doesn't start for a lot of triathlon stuff until end of March, beginning of April. So it's set up perfect 
timing wise for me to get to spend a week with everyone. They set up their year really well with a really high volume week. And um, so that's, you know, it's typically end of last week in February, first week in March, somewhere in there. Oh, cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'll put all your um, notes in the, in the show notes so people can connect with you. Yeah. Um, so how kind of taking it back, how did you first get involved in triathlons? Uh, to me, this isn't really a sport that was, you know, it's like kids don't just grow up playing or doing triathlons. They play, play, you know, soccer, basketball, you know, some more usual sports. How did you kind of yeah. get into this sport? Well, so, so mine was even more of a crazy uh, transition into triathlon. It's, um, I grew up actually in Southern Alberta. I'm Canadian and I grew up show jumping. And I'm sure a lot of you are going to have to look up even what that is. That's what force is. And you jump colored jumps. Um, and it's for time and fault. So the furthest thing away possible from swim, bike, and run. The most, I definitely did not swim. I knew how to swim. If you pushed me in, I wouldn't drown. That was about it. Um, I ran in school just because that was part of school athletics. So I did some track and field. Um, I was a sprinter, though, not a, not a distance runner. And um, the most bike riding I did was literally transportation. I rode one of those bikes with a basket on the front. You pedaled forward to make it go and backwards to make it stop. And I could get from uh, the small town that I lived in, I, I could get from town out to the farm quicker by bike than I could by the bus. And it, so it was literally a mode of transportation to get there as fast as possible. And um, so I didn't do triathlon at all. I did the show jumping, um, you know, at a very high level competitive athlete up to Grand Prix level with that from, so that was like age nine till 26. And that was my world and everything. It was everything to me. However, as I got towards my sort of, let's say like 17, 18, 19 years old, I, I wanted to incorpor start incorporating more health and fitness into my life. My sister was big into health and fitness. I started going to the gym to lift weights a little bit more. Um, some of it was for appearance. I wanted to, to look better. Some of it was for health reasons. Some of it was I also wanted something athletically outside of the horse world for myself. I also wanted a certain lifestyle. I realized at those points in my life, I had some choices to make. I was, um, you know, tempted to, to fall into that crowd of, as all young people do, a lot of drinking and partying and having a great time and all of that stuff. And I very quickly could see myself going that direction, but I recognized, hey, I probably need to make some choices here to steer my life in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so I started surrounding myself more around health and fitness. I did a couple 5Ks, I did a couple 10Ks, I did a half marathon, and, um, and I liked it. I was lifting weights in the gym and running more and more, and um, I was at this gym, I was running a lot and, and I'd gotten a little bit of an injury and I was on the spin bike a lot because I was trying to stay fit enough now to run. And then I thought, oh, I'll try a little bit of, a little bit of swimming too, because, you know, I was just doing this at the gym on my own. And just so happened that there was a guy that worked at the gym that said to me, have you ever thought about doing a triathlon? And I said, what's that? I mean, I didn't even know what it was. And he was a part of the University of Calgary Triathlon Club. And he encouraged me to come out and just come to a practice, give it a shot. And, um, and I liked it. And as you know, fast forward the story a little bit as the more I got involved in it, the more I just I really enjoyed the lifestyle, I enjoyed the people, I saw a positive influence in my life, I was making better and better choices for myself, instead of going to the Friday night, you know, 
where whatever club had like the best drink special till one in the morning. I was like, oh, I need to be in bed by 9 a.m. because I'm going to join the group ride on Saturday morning and I don't want to be up late and hungover and I've got to get that done and then I got to go ride horses all day. And so I, I started just through the sheer, um, you know, lifestyle change. I was making better and better choices. Now I was eating better because I wanted to feel better. I was going to bed earlier. I was waking up earlier. And this started a domino of, of just better choices for my life, as well as surrounding myself with, with better and better people. And then, um, you know, the, the more I did it, I, I found out I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay at this. And, uh, and started to see some results as well. And then sort of the story continues from there. Whoa, that's so powerful. Like, it's crazy because I had a fairly similar experience. You know, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, which originally had kind of drawn me away from weightlifting. And then I got into running because first appearance, I wanted to be skinny. But then you kind of get hooked to it and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun to push your limits and see how far you can get. And yeah, you're exactly right. The food, domino effect of all your choices, your food, you can't go out to the clubs and show up at, you know, and your runs in the morning. You just can't. You try a couple times and then you're like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's, it's not, it doesn't become worth it anymore. So then you, you choose, you know, your, you know, the things that you love, like the running, you show up to your, you know, your cycling and things like that. Um, that's so, and then, you know, soon your whole community around you changes in, yeah. I think it's hard at first, but then you're like, oh, actually, like when you love it, it's like, oh, why was I doing the bad crap for so long? You know, exactly. And you develop friendships that you realize that they're a little bit more meaningful. You know, you're out doing adventures together. You're pushing each other. And all of a sudden, you know, you have three new friends that you feel like you have um, more in common with. They're they're pushing you to be to be stronger and better. You have more of a bond with them, um, just more meaningful experiences and connections together. And you start to, there was almost like this transition point where I look back on, you know, I would go back to at that time in my, you know, same thing, early twenties. And I would go back to, um, you know, a, a Saturday night, what was the typical Saturday night back then. And I would look around and I would almost feel kind of sad and it felt very hollow. And I felt like, I'm not, what am I doing here? Like, I don't, you don't, I don't, I don't belong here anymore. And it just, it was those, those moments that made me realize more and more, these are the people that I want to be around. And this is what, and that, that was very pre um, results driven or competitive driven. It was, you know, very much about, I need to, I want a different thing for my life and, and seeing those points, um, you know, just those, yeah, you're like, why am I even, why am I even here versus, Hey, I really enjoy your company. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Geez, we're going to go do this thing. You know, you got a friend that you're doing something with and you're just dying and struggling, but they're encouraging you and you get to the other side of it together. And you're like, wow, that was such an amazing day. And, yeah. um, so just very different, different experiences and friendships. Yeah. I, I heard this thing. It's like, you get hooked on healthy and you know, all your other, you know, choices, like you said, kind of follow that because you can't have these two separate worlds and you know kind of accomplish this one goal that you want which kind of brings me into my next question so now that you were have been in triathlons for a little bit how did you know that you wanted to reach out to the like Ironman competition level um and can you kind of explain what an Ironman competition entails for those that don't know 
Yeah, so a, an Ironman is, it's a long day. <laughs> it's a, now I'm Canadian, so I still work in, in kilometers quite a bit. So um, uh, it's a four kilometer swim, followed by a 180 kilometer bike, and then a full marathon. So 112 mile bike. And um, I think the swim in miles is 2.6. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's quite, quite a long day. Um, the first time I ever watched an Ironman, I went with a bunch of friends. Obviously at this point, I've been doing triathlons recreationally and changing my lifestyle, really enjoying all the things that we talked about and they said hey a whole bunch of us are going out to uh, at the time Ironman Canada was in Penticton we're going out to watch Ironman Canada you should come I was like great so we're gonna get to do all our triathlon stuff plus camp and I love camping and I was watching it and I thought this is nuts that was my first reaction this is crazy and I I watched the winners and I thought how I could kind of I could imagine riding my bike that far but I was like, I can't imagine running a marathon after the bike. And I had even run a marathon before. And I, you know, with this recreational journey that I was on, and I thought, no way, like that, that's just crazy. And I definitely couldn't imagine swimming that far. I was like, oh my gosh, this, that is just ridiculous. So at no point in the early periods did I think I'm going to be doing this for a living for 10 years of my life and traveling the world and, and racing on an international scene, trying to win races. I, I wasn't something that I looked at and said, this is, I'm going to do this. It was a progression of choices of lifestyle. And the more I did this stuff and the more I was around people that um, would encourage me in that direction, I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it, give it a try. I'll give it a try. And, and the first time I did a half Ironman, I, that's when I started to see some pretty good results. And then the wheel started to turn. I thought, well, I've been in show jumping now at this point, I was 26 years old from nine to 26 years old is the only world I'd known. I started to get more and more out of this triathlon world personally and, and personal achievements and, and what I liked for my life. And when I started to see those, a few results, it sort of sparked an interest of, and this is why my motto is never die wondering. You'll see that on my website. And I say that all the time is I thought, I wonder if I could do this. I wonder if I could race professionally and, and win a race, a, a big race and race Ironmans and, and do this for a living. And really looking back, I had no business thinking that way, but there was just a little spark in my, in my mind. And I thought, I just said to myself, I never want to be 80 years old and look back on my life and say, I wonder if, and that has been a ongoing motto in my life that I'd rather take a risk and fail and try than just be too afraid and let fear sort of trap me in a life that is comfortable and safe because I had a, I had a great life. I was doing something I loved. I was good at it. I had a successful business in the show jumping world. At this point, I now had um, a, a big stable of horses and riders. I was doing very well. I loved what I did. All of those things. So it was all very positive. It was very comfortable. However, I I looked at that piece of my life and I went and I saw you know this triathlon dream, and it was just enough of a spark to say, I wonder if. And I never wanted to say. I wonder if, I'd rather say I wonder if and I failed or, and, and try, see if I succeed or see if I fail, doesn't matter, at least I tried. And so um, on a very extreme level, I literally sold everything and 
packed up and lived in a out of a bike box and a bag for the next six years and traveled the world um, going after the professional triathlon scene. And um, if it didn't fit in my bag or my bike box, I didn't have it. That was it. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have a car. I didn't have, it was literally if it fit in my bag and it fit in the bike box, that's all I had. And other than that, I just threw it out. And away I went and traveled the world and, and went after racing and, and went after the dream. And fortunately, I mean, my dad used to laugh at me. He used to call me a gypsy. He was like, honey, you're a gypsy without a trailer. <laughs> you don't even have a trailer. <laughs> and uh, so I said, so I'm a bum. And he's like, basically, you're an athletic bum. And, um, but fortunately for me, it did work out, that kind of commitment and that sort of all in. And, and you know, in your 20s, I could do that. I could do the all in and not to say you can't do it in your forties or fifties. I mean, just at any point, but at, at that time. And, um, fortunately for me, it started a journey of, you know, I did see some results. I won Ironman Malaysia. I was second at Ironman France, third at Western Australia, consistently top five in all of my professional races, half Ironman and, and full Ironman. And so then became the the development of a professional career that I could use as a launching pad towards you know what I do now and and just make a living for myself and um, but there was plenty of stories and ups and downs and and things that I'm sure people now would think that's nuts like I I can't I used to people used to ask me what's your phone number and I would say I don't I don't have one I, I would say what do you need like I'm here right now <laughs> Like, this is literally, like, how do we contact you? I was like, well, whatever you need, this is, this is where I'm here right now. Oh, I got a little, uh, I got a little uh, notification from Zoom here. Should yeah, I just, me too. I got to just There you go. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, anyways, yeah. That's so crazy. But you kind of have to be a little crazy to go after one of these things. You kind of became the person who, well, you did become that person who you were, um, who you were watching. Sorry, my, my phone on my computer went, sorry, I, I didn't, sorry about that, Allie, my oh, phone on my computer went there. What, what was that last um, part? So you just kind of became the, you know, the people who you were watching and you're like, they are crazy, but you kind of have to be a little crazy to go after these massive goals, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you just have to, I don't know exactly what, what, where the transition was went from these people are crazy to now this is what I, I've, sold the farm and this is what I'm going after. I'm not like, I don't have like a pinpoint moment that it was just like a slow evolution. Yeah. However, I always go back to even now, um, being on the other side of, 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 you know, that career and being in, in the coaching side of things is that, you know, it's, it's sort of like an evolution of going back to why you started in the first place. And that has never left me. It's still really about the, the experiences and the people and the lifestyle and what it brings out in me and all of those things. So even though, you know, I went from, I just don't want to be on the clubs every Friday and Saturday and Sunday night to, um, you know, Hey, I wonder if I could do this and, and like just sort of that curious, like, I never want to die wondering to, you know, all the great things that happened. Um, 
so there's a lot of change in those steps. However, why I was doing it and to, di to this day, why I continue to do it and why I continue to coach is exactly the same. It's really the community, the people, the lifestyle, what it does you know, for me as a person. And, and it's why I'm able to stay passionate about it for, since you asked at the beginning, how long you've been doing this, you think, God, some people say, you've been doing this since 1999. Like, don't you want to do something else? But I think because of those things, you're so, I'm so, you know, it's brought so much to my life and I still say, feel the same passion for that, that that's why it, you know, it just really never leaves you. Yeah. Like when your why is so strong, you just, you keep coming back to it. And it, I think it, it even helps push you through the dark times of like, oh yeah, like there will be a struggle. Cause I'm sure it's not all pretty and picking daisies while you're, you know, doing training for anything like this, um, you know, a goal so big. So I think having a really strong why is very important um, to help kind of keep you motivated during maybe the dark times. And I know training can, you have to get to those dark points in the training to get better and, you know, push your limits and things like that. So I love yeah. that. That's so important. I think it's hard for a lot of people to find their why. Um, so when you do, I think you gotta grip onto it for dear life and just keep running with it, like no pun intended, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, so you have obviously been in this sport for a while. How long does it you know, take to get to a level like this? Um, I know a lot of people want to accomplish something, you know, they have this goal, they want it to happen maybe overnight or in six months, a year. And that's not necessarily the case for, you know, achieving big goals like, you know, an Ironman competition. What does, you know, kind of how long does that process take? What does that look like? Um, I bet you can share a little more info. Yeah, so it's obviously different for everyone, depending on your background and, and your athletic ability. And um, there's obviously a lot of factors that, that go into it, how much time you have to commit. Um, but, you know, anything like anything, I don't know if you've read the 10,000 hour rule. So it's a you know whole thing on the 10,000 hours. And, and very early on when I started this journey, I, I hired a really special coach and, and he said to me, he goes, I'm gonna tell you right now and this, I, your reaction is gonna determine a little bit on how this is gonna go. And he said, you know, if I tell you that from the time you start to get good to the time you're going to reach your very best, it's gonna be 10 years. He's like, how do you feel about that? And he wanted to know if, that meant I was going to, you know, my expectations were in the next, you know, year or two, I was, you know, going to reach my highest level of performance, or if I was really in this for the long haul. And, and he said, you know, more people, if they have that understanding, <clears throat> true understanding of this is going to take a long time. And it's, and it's going to take, you know, a consistent amount of work over a long time. So it's not about, oh, two months, on three months off um, one year on one year off it's you know if you're logging endless hours and and the 10,000 hour rule if you if you read on that musicians um, entrepreneurs business owners um, you know artists athletics whatever it is that's a really really you know set documented um, theory is that it really is that 10,000 hours, 10, 10 years from the time you start something to the time you reach your very best. <clears throat> now, it's not saying that in that time you might not accelerate that, 
you know, that journey where you see some very, very good results. So anyone looking at this going, well, I don't have 10 years to give to this. I'm forget it. That's just too daunting to even take on that. That might not be the case. So for me, I started in 1999 dabbling as a very beginner. And by the time I won my first Ironman, it was 2004. So, you know, that's not 10 years, you know, so there is, and, and I had a, a long professional career. So, um, you know, those, those numbers are put there to say, you know, the basic philosophy is it's not going to happen overnight. For some, it does happen quicker. However, it, it's going to require commitment um, every day for a long period of time. And that's when we go back to, are you, are you doing this for a lifestyle change versus are you just doing this for, you know, one time or, and, and staying connected to the, what, like you talked about those, those whys, why are you even doing this? Because you're, you're going to need to be in it for the long haul for sure to get the most out of it or want to see your very best. If you're coming from, Hey, I just want to, to try, try this out and try one, you know, that process can be, can be shorter. You know, when I'm talking on these 10,000 hours, it's like from the time you start to your very best, and then there's everything in between. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think from a coach's perspective, from a safety standpoint, I don't encourage people to start triathlon from zero and within the first year do their first Ironman. Some coaches will, and some people do that. I'm not saying it's not possible. However, I don't think that that's a responsible way to develop an athlete and a safe way to develop them. I think that's, it's very short-sighted in terms of health as well as longevity in the sport and longevity to health, not only from a injury perspective, health perspective, but also um, stress on your schedule, stress on maybe your family, stress on, you know, if you're going to school, work, if you're trying to achieve other things, it's a big time commitment. So, you know, incrementally increasing as you go, you're going to be at this for a lot longer and, and the results are going to be better in the, in the long run. And there's going to be like a lifelong, um, you know, lessons learned and change that happens when you approach it a little bit more like that. And like I say, other people might say it different. They say, you can go from zero to three months to your first Ironman. And I do think you can do that. I think it's a very painful way to do it. And I think it's short lived to do it like that. Um, So that's what I advocate. Um, That actually kind of leads right into my next question. What does an average week of training look like for, you know, someone who's looking to get in let's maybe say beginner to, um, you know, their first triathlon, maybe that's like a sprint or something like that. How much should they be training? I guess it depends on the person individually, but, um, yeah, you obviously want to balance, you know, doing a little running, swimming, biking, a little of everything. Exactly. So you have a good perspective there. So if you're, if you're going, if you're just wanting to try your first sprint triathlon, um, you said the exact key right thing. There needs to be a balance, right? And so depending on your background, you might have a strong strong suit in one of the three. However, the training always does need to be balanced. So I think, you know, minimum if you have five days a week that you can commit somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes um, for sprint, sprint triathlon and it's a nice, just, just, you know, evenly distributed balance between swim, bike, and run, and perhaps even for some people, a little bit of uh, strength training, then, then, you know, you're going to have a successful first sprint triathlon. So let's say, for example, that might look like you do a little swim on Monday, bike ride on Tuesday, a run on Wednesday, Thursday might be a rest day or a little bit of strength work. 
um, Friday, and then you can kind of repeat that cycle. You might do a swim on Friday. You might do a, a bike with a little runoff to tra practice transition and brick running on Saturday, and another little little run on Sunday. And that can be a nice balance for people that is, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, that kind of thing. Each person is going to find a rhythm within their own schedule, what they're able to do. As you get more advanced, you start breaking the sessions up maybe into two a day, morning and evening, um, all the way up to if you're training for an Ironman. I mean, someone who's trying to achieve a high level performance at an Ironman. So again, the distance is, is long and so the time commitment is huge. They might be looking at anywhere from consistently averaging 16 to 20, 25 hours a week of training. Um, is someone who works full-time and has kids, maybe they're looking at consistently 15 to 20 hours of training per week every every week, all the way, you know, for the four to six months into an Ironman race. But if we're talking about sprint triathlon and beginner, if you have, you know, somewhere between five and seven hours a week to, to balance out over it, I think you can be very successful. That's on the high end. So obviously I I look at that and go, you know, I'm I'm sort of a, if we're going to do this, I'm going to prepare you the right way so that you have a lot of fun when you race. I'm not going to send you into something underprepared. And so that would be on the very high end. You certainly can pare that down all the way down to, you know, three, four hours a week based on the time that you have. Because a sprint triathlon is a lot more forgiving, you know. And as long as you take your level of experience and the level of time you have and make that match with the distance of race that you're going to do and the expectation of goals and times that you have, you can, you can make that all work. Mm. Okay, cool. I think I'm doing a decent job right now doing a little, a little bit of everything. The, honestly, the hardest part right now is getting in the pool because everything's shut down. So it's been yes. just like chomping at the bit to really get into it. But then I think I'll get into like a nice little pattern. So I'm trying to yeah. end up for my first sprint here shortly. Um, so, nice. Yeah. yeah very nice. Awesome very educational and I'm, I'm glad I got, um, you know, knowledge from the expert. <laughs> um, so how important as a coach is goal setting and getting really clear about what the athlete wants and what they want to accomplish and then kind of reverse engineering and making that into like a daily plan. Um, I work with some, you know, clients and, goal setting can be really difficult for people. People are very vague with what they want. They're like, I want to do this, but it doesn't really have any, you know, time. It's not measurable. It's not very specific. So as a coach, how do you help kind of an athlete meet them where they're at and, you know, get clarity about their goals and how to, how to kind of move forward from there? Yeah, so that's all really great stuff. Um, I think where where people are really strong these days because there's so much information out there is long-term goal setting. Mm -hmm. So we can really look at the big picture and say, like you said, I want to do a triathlon. I want to, you know, achieve X, you know. However, where the details come in and it becomes specific and measurable is if we break that down, we say, okay, I like to look at goal setting and, and stages. We've got really, really far out there, the dream goal. So that one is like the one you're afraid to tell everybody. It's like, in my mind, this is what I really want. However, I am way too embarrassed to tell anyone. So maybe you write that down and you tuck that away in your pocket somewhere and you go back and look at it. I say write it down because I had a really good coach when I was um, in show jumping really young and she said, I want you to write down your dream goal. And the second you do that, you start making decisions 
and putting actions in place that snowball on one another without you even knowing it to start working towards that. So there's that dream goal. That's, that's way out there. Working backwards from there. The next step is long-term goal. And I like to break those into, you know, five year, three year, two year, one year, six months, three months. So those to me are very long-term goals and, and you break it out like that. People are pretty good at, at that, that piece right there. And then the next one is the short-term goals. Okay. So that might be, what am I going to do this month? What am I going to do in the next two weeks? What am I going to do this week? And then there's the very, very specific immediate goals. What am I going to do tomorrow? Mm. And then even more so, what am I going to do today? Mm. So that is when the, how the planning works. And from those points is when you start to develop a schedule. So, and it breaks down to the very, very simple pieces of, okay, I've got my week laid out and, and this is going to sound like kindergarten type stuff, but it's like Monday at 8am, I'm going to do this, you know, at noon, I'm going to do this at one o'clock, I'm going to do this. And at five o'clock, I'm going to do this. And you know exactly what you're going to do tomorrow, today, tomorrow, next day, the week, next week, the month, and you might even, and so now all of a sudden you see how this is like stacking on each other like Legos, right? So now you're doing what you're doing this hour, this day, tomorrow, this week, this month, into this year, two years, three years, five years, all the way out to that like crazy dream goal that you stuffed away in your pocket. And before you know it, that adds up on one another through consistency. And all of a sudden we've developed a lifestyle habits and, and things that we're ticking off those goals that you're like, oh, wow, I'm there. Whoa, this was so powerful. <laughs> I'm crazy about my planner and I literally write down the things that I need to do every single day. Like whether it's my meditation, I have my run, everything is penciled out. I'm old school. I got that from my mom. She like swears by it. Mm -hmm. um, but it literally makes a difference because things that are scheduled get done. Um, right. And like you said, the writing it down, I heard this quote uh, or fact, it's like, if you write your goal down, you're 42% more likely to achieve it. Just by writing it down, it's yeah. the easiest thing. Like, yeah. I, I just, it blows my mind. Wow. These are amazing. How do you, I guess, uh, how do you plan? Do you like write things down on planner? Do you use Google or, you know, uh, I don't know what kind of planning you do. I do. I'm, I'm old school as well. And I, I literally, I mean, I have different, different planners and, and, you know, different formats of doing it. But my go-to is I, same thing. I have this written out book that is Monday through Sunday. And then I have a little, to, so I have each one of those days planned out. And then in the corner, I also have my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And those are things that if I have time within that schedule, I'll check those off as well. Mm -hmm. However, if they don't get done that week, that's okay. I can move them to next week. And then there becomes a deadline where I know, hey, on that to-do list, these things need to be done by then. And we start slotting into the week. And, and yeah, before you know it, you know, you know exactly what you're doing every single day. And, I, and I've got it down in that um, book. And I take it one step further as you, you know, you might want to share that with someone. For me, I share that with my spouse. I say, okay, this is what my week looks like. This is what my day looks like tomorrow. And then now you've got some accountability and you've got also the people in your life on board. So, you know, one thing that can become a problem for someone is they might have all that mapped out and then they've forgotten to tell all the other people in their life 
that this is how what their week looks like and before they know it they've got someone going why are you getting up at four o'clock in the morning like what are you doing and then that's when the doubt creeps in and then that's when the habits start to get like sort of well, maybe I shouldn't because this person yeah. isn't supporting me or I shouldn't, you know, if you make sure not only do you take the time to schedule it and write it all out, but share it with the people in your life, whether it be your friends, your coworkers, your training partners, your spouse, your boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever you, whoever is involved in your life. So they know, but they'll also help keep you accountable. Like, Hey, I thought at three o'clock you were going for a run. You're like, oh. Yeah. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so that's really, it. I actually have a workbook in, on my site, Allie. Um, if you go to guidelines and forms on my site, I actually, um, and I think I have it within the articles as well. I have, um, it's called a, it's a, an actual workbook that I developed and it's an hour long course that I teach on, on this exact thing, a developing, you know, you can develop these tools to, to help you with this process as well. If people can check that out or if you want to check oh, that out. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I, lo I will definitely be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you added in the accountability by sharing it because it's easy for me to, you know, schedule out my week because it's just me running my own business, doing my own thing. But a lot of people don't understand the time commitment that it takes to do all these things. So they wonder, like the doubt starts to creep in when people are like, where are you? Why haven't you answered these texts or calls or things like that? I'm like, I'm busy. You know, I'm trying to do these things, but a lot of people, I guess, don't understand. So I think yeah. preemptively, you know, sharing, you're like, hey, I have a busy week coming up or my day is kind of stacked. I won't be able to get to you till this time kind of helps give a better idea. And then, like you said, the doubt doesn't, you know, creep in. So I've, yeah. I've realized that too with some people I've, you know, on my my it was on my fault that I didn't share it but I'm experiencing that so that was a great tip thank you yeah um you kind of talked about creating routine and habits um I think a huge part of you know being a triathlete uh is consistency and persistency um how does I guess you know scheduling is easy way to create good habits in my mind um are there other you know habits or ways to create routine that you know can help someone have success in this sport? Yeah, I think, you know, changing habits, first of all, I think what we need to recognize, especially I, I feel like, I sound old saying this these days, whatever, um, is that it's, it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah. And so I think, I think um, in the most simple terms, the best advice I could give for that is in the beginning, don't think about it too much. Mm -hmm. I often you'll use the phrase, don't give those voices in your head too much power. Yeah. because for now so it's very easy to say I'm too tired it's too cold it's too hot I'm too hungry I'm too sore there's lots of I'm twos that are going to be voices in your heads that are going to get in your way and I will often say to people don't give those voices too much power yeah. just set the schedule and just go and just follow and you're it. and just just like a snowball it's going to grab momentum and it's going to take a little while and for a little while you're probably not going to feel like everyone thinks it's going to be sparks and magic. And like you said, it's going to be amazing and all these aha moments and it's going to all these things, but for a little while, it's going to be pretty hard and change is hard and sometimes scary um, as well. And so those, those little pieces, if you just say, just set the schedule, just keep turning up, whether you feel like it, whether you want to, 
whatever those twos are, just keep showing up. And before you know it, it grabs some momentum and now it's a habit. And um, I think in that first, I would say first three months, that's really, really important. It takes about a good, let's say it even takes a full year to really, really establish those types of things. But the first three months are going to be brutal. It's like, oh man, all I want to do is go back to, and you see them sneak in, in the weirdest places. Yes. You're like, oh, I would like to just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep in or I'm going to blow this off. And you think of very valid reasons why this makes sense as well. Oh, you know, in your mind, oh, it's, you know you'll think of a hundred different things that are very, very valid. And, and you'll even ask other people to validate them for you. You'll say, don't you think it's too hot out today? Oh yeah, definitely. You should not do this. And so you not only have gotten that in your own head, but you've gotten people to validate it. Now it's a done deal. And not I think as long, <laughs> yeah. so I think as long as you, if you really want this change for your life, you need to, I, I, like I say, not give those voices too much power. And then you need to let the a snowball effect sort of grab a hold and that's going to take some time you just got to keep rolling through those uncomfortable moments until it is a habit and before you know it you're the one dragging other people along saying hey come on let's go oh my gosh this is so crazy because I used to write down little stickies of things I accomplished today and I would write down went on a run even though I really didn't want to or went on a run before work even when I didn't want to I wanted to sleep in do all these things so it's crazy now to look back on it and I'm like oh it's honestly hard for me to like stay in bed I get kind of excited I'm like oh I have a run tomorrow Um, I'm like jumping out of bed versus like getting drug out Um, but it's crazy It, it truly does take those I think it's like 66 days to install a new habit um, at the bare minimum, but then you have to kind of retain it. And now once you're kind of on the other side of it, it's harder to not do the habit, right? Versus to do, like, is it hard for you to take rest days? Uh, Yeah. I mean, at this point in my career, also rest days are an important part of the whole package. And so um, now, now for me in particular, I'm on the extreme end of of training so the rest days are programmed in however so if I I say to myself if I have a rest day yeah I mean it's not hard for me to take it but it's something that is scheduled in yeah it's um hey this this is a scheduled and organized day for you to rejuvenate and and get some rest and and I feel like if you're doing the hard work day in and day out you you need those days as well so it's a part of that whole plan you know it's a part of it however just I wouldn't just blow something off like, oh, I'm, I'm just not going to do that today. I mean, it would just, um, it's just not part of, of how it works for me anymore. I, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. If it's scheduled, you go do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Um, so how does an athlete support their goals through nutrition? Um, because I have, at first when I kind of started running, my nutrition was, not able to support it. I was just, I was burning too many calories on my runs. Um, so I was just, I was hangry all the time. I couldn't keep up um, until bless Jennifer Bowman's heart. She was like gels, gels and water and you got to eat and just all these things. And so here, once I was, you know, scared of food and I just wanted to run to get skinny, I now yeah. have to eat to fuel to perform. So it's been a total mindset shift. Um, do you have any tips or tricks on how people can, you know, fuel to perform? Yeah, so that's that's a really good point that you just made there. Fuel to perform. 
Okay, so there is a transition in in people's minds where they go from I'm doing this activity for like you say I just I just want to be you know skinny um, and so that's almost it's sort of a um, I guess it has like a negative context yeah. to it. it for for lack of better um, you know putting wrapping something around that however you know your relationship with food and athletics if it's based around performance then that's when you start understanding oh okay instead of eating four slices of pizza that's probably going to make me feel really terrible when i'm running i'm going to choose you know a, a array of colorful vegetables and some healthy lean you know protein of some kind and some carbohydrates that are going to support my energy system to be able to, to run well because i want to feel good while i do this mm -hmm. and same thing if you're out there running instead of running along thinking man i feel you know we call it bonking where you're you know you don't quite have the energy to be out there you're getting a little bit blurry eyed you're starting to slow down that that word you use hangry we like to refer to the snickers commercial <laughs> you know that i don't know if that does if you've yes. seen the snickers commercial where yes. you know they and you need some sugar your brain and your body and your glycogen stores they need some sugar to continue on and now you know when you start seeing things like oh i'm trying to achieve a now a goal where i would like to go faster over say like a half marathon and you realize oh my gosh, I'm doing all the training in the world and I'm doing everything right. However, I get, you know, six miles into this run and I start going slower and slower no matter what. And if you realize, hey, I, all I needed to do was, you know, have um, three gummy bears or, you know, a gel or some sports drink and I can continue that pace right to the finish line and now you've achieved that goal that's given you all this, you know, satisfaction for your hard work it becomes a mind it's a it's a different shift in mind um then you know oh i would just like to have this or i'm i'm just running to be skinny so it's not you know the the performance is going down so i think it really is shifting from why am i doing this mm -hmm. right so we go back to we almost always go back to the very beginning which yeah, is why why am i really doing this and in the beginning it's really about uh it's really about lifestyle and achieving goals and bettering yourself and challenge yourself you're going to continue to look for things that are going to support that you know just like we said you all of a sudden your friends change your habits change your lifestyle changes this is also true with your nutrition you know if like i say if you're used to every Saturday night, you have, you know, drive through and a six pack of beer and you know, you got to get up on Sunday morning and run two hours. Quite often that Sunday morning runs not going to go that well. You're going to be hitting the bathroom every 10 minutes and you're going to be running slow and you're going to feel terrible and all of these things. However, if you are well hydrated and you eat, like I say, very healthy and then you get up and, you know, you have a good healthy breakfast and you understand the fueling throughout the run to keep the paces and, and feel good throughout the run, stay hydrated through the run, all of these things that you can, you know, it's an array of education to dive into that. Um, and all of a sudden it's successful. And so now, you know, that's just a different, different thing altogether. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you can look up, obviously there's great sports nutritionists, the more you want to get the deeper and deeper you want to get in that there's everything from the very general broad paint brushes to diving right into very deep sports nutrition mm -hmm. um and and everything in between but i think shifting from um you know sort of shifting to that 
mindset of performance is going to be the key starting point for all of that. Well, I love that. Yeah. I think once I started setting bigger goals, um, it, my nutrition, I had to be, you know, accountable to my nutrition because you can't perform when you eat that poorly. As you said, it just, it, you can't have the two of these worlds. It's like everything just, you know, builds upon itself and snowballs into this bigger goal. So it's like, okay, I have to hydrate well. I have to eat these, you know, really healthy and get a lot of vegetables in and, you know, lean meats and things like that to support what I'm trying to do because nothing is worse than going out for like a run or bike and you are just sucking air when you know you should be like cruising through this. Yeah. I, oh. And it's a choice. I mean, I make, the, we're oh. all human, you know, yeah. and I, I definitely make those choices where I know I'm like, okay, I'm eating this right now. And I know it's going to kill me tomorrow yeah. on the bike. And I know I'm going to pay for it, but I know that. And I've made that choice. However, if I know something's important to me the next day, mm -hmm. I definitely make a different choice for myself. So it becomes about these choices and, and hopefully more often than not, it becomes more important to you to, to succeed in those moments that you care about than it is to make that choice to, you know, react to that impulse of wanting something that is, is not in favor of the goals that you set for yourself. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, so do you have any tips or tricks for someone who is currently active and looking to get into triathlons, but might not know where to start? It can be rather daunting and overwhelming. Um, quite frankly, a little paralyzing, even for myself. And I was like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm like, where do I start? Any recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like anything these days, there is a lot of information out there. You Google triathlon, you're going to get, um, you know, millions and millions of sites and articles and which is great. There's a lot of information out there. Um, you know, if you can find, uh, a coach to work with, if that's the avenue you want to go, then and that's obviously going to fast track you because they're going to be able to provide you with a roadmap and answer all of your questions and, and really help you through all of those steps. So, so that's a, obviously a, a great way to go. Um, and, you know, from there, I think if you're in a community that has an active triathlon community, if you can join a club of some kind, um, that's going to help as well. If they don't have an active triathlon community, maybe they have a, a master's group. Often find you'll find in uh, master swimming groups, you'll find a handful of people that do triathlons as well. Um, another option is if you don't have that available to you, if there's a local bike shop, you can go to a bike shop and say, hey, is there you know, a group ride or something like that? And you'll often find that there is a handful of triathletes on the group ride. Um, so getting involved in different areas in your community where there are people who are already doing it, obviously ask around which are the you know reputable ones, which ones are good. Um, that's going to help you out. I do think that there is, you know, a lot of, there's good resources out there. You'll start to, as you go through that you know, piles and piles of information on the internet, you'll start to find the ones that you're more drawn to and you know this is good information versus um, you can start to weed out this maybe isn't the greatest information. Um, we're lucky in triathlon, there's really only one major magazine, Triathlete Magazine, and so, you know, that's if you're really, really starting, I have no idea where to even look. I don't have a club. I don't have a, you know, I don't want to hire a coach. Um, just going to triathletemag.com. I know that they have a lot of really good resources, tools, and, and, you know, it's good information there. So that's, you know, always a good starting point. And there really is only one magazine in triathlon. So you're not going to get bombarded with yeah. too many. Um, 
so so those are those are good starting points um so that's what i'd recommend wow that's awesome great okay i'll put all these um links below so people can find them um and then where can we find you to kind of wrap up this um, little interview where can we find you to connect and um what's your website and all these fun things yeah so if you just it's real simple go mcc.coach that's my website you can find me there and then um i'm most act active on instagram and facebook mm -hmm. um i did for you younger crowd look at tiktok once however i am not a dancer so i was like i cannot do the tiktok thing <laughs> i downloaded it i was like this is some shit i can't i'm like i'm off. oh my gosh yeah i i couldn't do it so um i am also so on, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, those kinds of things, but I'm not real active on those. So mostly Instagram, Facebook are the two places that I'm most active in terms of social media. Um, but then, like I say, I have a, a, a world of um, articles and if you go in my guidelines and forums, a lot of helpful resources there for, for people. And it's mcc.coach okay. is where you want to go. I have a YouTube channel as well. There's everything from the most ghetto video you can imagine, as well as uh, some some more formal interviews and stuff, but I keep it pretty light on those. You can see a lot of stuff on there as well. Yeah, no, they're getting awesome. I love them. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> Practice, right. right? You'll get better 10,000 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate you coming and chatting on the podcast. I learned so much. Of course, thanks so much for having me, Ellie. Of course. Hey guys, was that not an awesome episode? I loved everything that Marilyn and I got chatting about. It honestly educated me so much and brought so much value to the show. Super pumped to share this all with you. Um, if you loved what you heard on today's episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you're curious about the resources mentioned in the episode, I've listed all of the links below in the show notes so you can get a hold of Marilyn or I on social media and take a peek at our websites as well. All right, Allie out. Bye.